Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 33 of the Tick Bootcamp podcast. The title of today's interview is The Game Changer, an interview with Dr. Bill Rawls. My name is Richard Johannesson. And I'm Matt Sabatello. Today's podcast is part of a Bill Rawls marathon that we're going to publish over the course of the next week. And the reason we decided we were going to do this podcast as a marathon is because we were inspired by an interview that we conducted last week with a wonderful guest, a woman from Scotland named Donna Grant. And one of the things that Donna Grant shared with us is that her life was almost over. She was bedbound, housebound, unable to take care of her basic needs until she discovered Dr. Bill Rawls and his protocol. So what we're going to do is we're going to release three separate interviews, all of which are part of this Game Changer podcast that we're doing. So Matt, the most fascinating part of this almost three hours of footage that we have on Dr. Rolls was the last hour. And the reason I found the last hour to be the most powerful is because there was this conversation between two limeys. You and Dr. Rolls were having this really, really cool conversation. And I think our listeners are going to be blessed by so much of what the two of you discussed together. Matt, what was the first topic that you discussed with Dr. Rawls in this first release episode? Rich, the first topic discussed was the difference between a chronic infection and an acute infection and why this matters in treating Lyme disease. So he then talked with you about why the difference between acute and a chronic infection are significant, specifically as it relates to the use of antibiotics. Right. So, Rich, antibiotics cannot win the battle alone, according to Dr. Rawls. The immune system is very important, and we must strengthen our immune system to win the battle for any tick disease. And then after you finished discussing those first two topics, you guys then went on and talked about CBD oil. Right. So CBD oil is a very effective way to treat some of the symptoms for Lyme disease and really has a way of balancing out the body as a whole and helping Lyme recover. Okay. So now let's cut to the interview with Dr. Bill Rawls. Dr. Rawls, is there a difference between an acute infection and a chronic infection? And do you recommend the use of long-term antibiotics to treat chronic Lyme disease? Most conventional doctors don't appreciate. And I think it's one of these fundamental things that if you don't understand this, you really shouldn't be treating Lyme disease patients or really anybody else for that matter. The difference between an acute infection with a microbe and a chronic infection with a microbe. I don't see doctors and the medical researchers distinguishing, but it's really important, okay? So an acute infection with a microbe or microbes is the entry of a brand new microbe into your system that you've never had before, all right? A chronic infection only occurs if the immune system becomes disrupted and cannot contain that microbe long-term, okay? When you look at acute infection, how much of how sick you get depends on the virulence of the microbe. And virulence is the potential of the microbe to cause disease, okay? So it has to do with familiarity. So we talk about our normal flora as being our friendly flora. Nah. No microbes are friendly. They're all out for number one. They all want our resources. The reason that we have, that we do well with our normal flora and don't have any problem with them is because our immune system knows them so well that it can completely contain any aggressiveness they have, right? Now, the proof of that is that when somebody dies, their body immediately starts decomposing. It's not microbes from the outside environment. It's their normal flora that are taking their body down because their immune system is no longer stopping it, all right? So 
our normal flora are known best. At the opposite end of the spectrum, you've got something like Ebola. Now, Ebola is a normal reservoir is a rare spider. It rarely has, human populations have rarely been exposed to this thing. So when you get bitten, your, your immune system has no memory. There's nothing in your genes that tells your immune system how to handle this microbe. So it has to figure it out. And you may die before it figures it out, all right? Hmm. So when you look at these tick-borne microbes, most of us have been exposed to most of them. You know, we have a genetic history. So there's storage in our genes of Borrelia. Humans have been bitten by ticks ever since they've been humans. So most of the tick-borne microbes, our immune system has some genetic memory. Our genes are like a hard drive, and it can tap. It's like it can pull an app for that microbe. It doesn't have an app for Ebola. It's got an app for Borrelia, and that's why people don't get acutely ill very often. But if you get several microbes, say you get a rickettsia in there, and even Dr. Bergdorfer, the guy that named the Lyme disease microbe Borrelia burgdorferi, if you read his work, all he said about the microbe Borrelia burgdorferi was that it was the cause of the EM, EM rash that people had been, been seeing. He was sure of that. But later in his research, he says, I'm not sure that that microbe was the cause of the acute illness in these patients because I also saw rickettsia, a species of rickettsia that's common in New England in those specimens too. So even he had questions about what Lyme disease really is. So yeah, that's why you see a lot of variability. So Borrelia by itself often doesn't cause people to get sick. Dr. Wells. When do you believe antibiotics are the most helpful? Now, what you're doing with antibiotics, any antibiotics, any kind of infection, all right, when those microbes first enter the body in an acute infection, before the immune system has a chance to get a full response, it's just getting on its feet to figuring this thing out and getting rid of it, you can knock the numbers of the microbe down and make the immune system's job easier, all right? But... It's the immune system that wins the battle, not the antibiotics. And that's why I just pulled a study where they took 12 patients who had been diagnosed by CDC guidelines with Lyme disease, treated by CDC guidelines for acute Lyme disease, and all 12 of them had they cultured Borrelia out of their system. All 12. So these people were symptomatic. So what that tells me is these people had immune dysfunction. Their immune system wasn't containing this thing. What's happening when you've got a chronic infection is the immune system is not containing it. It isn't capable. So that tug of war is continuing. In some of our podcasts, guests have told us there's a long gap between the time of their tick bite and their Lyme disease symptoms. Is it possible that their immune systems could manage the bacteria for a limited period of time? You can have these things. Your immune system is working great. You're young. You've got a hot, thriving immune system, and you have these things in your system, and you have no symptoms, and then you get clobbered with something later on and knock your immune system down, and these things start showing up. But it's not just Borrelia. It's Mycoplasma and Bartonella and all of these other things. I recently pulled a study that showed that they tapped people with arthritis. that's supposed to be just wear and tear. They tapped synovial fluid 
to look for specifically mycoplasma pneumoniae that's really common. Most of us get it, pick it up when we're a kid. We never get rid of it. 60% of the world's population, 88% of them had mycoplasma pneumoniae active in that joint fluid, routine garden variety osteoarthritis. They found other species in rheumatoid arthritis. So what that tells me is we've got these things, and if you don't keep your immune system sharp, that's when you get ill. Do you have any other thoughts on antibiotics and chronic Lyme disease before I move on to questions about CBD oil? Let, let's see. How long have you got? <laughs> so before I go on to that, though, I just wanted to close out that other thought and that the reason that chronic antibiotics don't work, one of the big reasons is, one, because the microbes are deep in tissues, so you're hitting your normal floor harder. But the other is, for any antibiotics to work, you've got to have a functional immune system, right? If an elderly person develops a bad pneumonia, you can treat them with all the antibiotics that they want, that you want, and if they don't have an intact immune system, they're going to die. So the antibiotics never win the war. The immune system always has to, and sometimes you can help the immune system, but if you do it chronically, you're going to cause problems. Have you done any research on CBD oil? In herbal therapy, I happened to be at uh, some big herbal conferences where the keynote speakers were experts in medical marijuana and became fascinated with it many years ago and really studied it very thoroughly. And I actually think that CBD oil is safer and has more value from a medicinal point of view for long-term use than medicinal marijuana. Medicinal marijuana can be valuable too, but CBD, because of its nature, I think is even better. Why is CBD oil so popular in the Lyme community? And do you believe Lyme patients can use CBD to enhance their recovery? So CBD oil, it's good stuff. It is wonderful. It's, it's not by itself a standalone treatment for Lyme disease, though. But it's a wonderful adjuvant for Lyme disease. It has some really wonderful properties. Um, it, CBD oil is a modulator, all right? And what I mean by that is it, it has a balancing effect on a lot of systems in the body, all right? And now that we are starting to understand this thing called the endocannabinoid system, the endocannabinoid system is a regulating system that oversees a lot of things in our body. It oversees our neurotransmitters. It oversees our endorphins um, it, and, and, it's, it's, and our immune system and our mood. So virtually everything in the body is affected by the endocannabinoid system. But it's um, actually, I, I wish I could show you a slide uh, that I used actually in a webinar about CBD. Um, but what we're doing with CBD is affecting the endocannabinoid system. So you look at how the endocannabinoid system works, it's modifying responses. So if you think about like a nerve synapse, you know, you've got a nerve that comes to an endpoint and it releases a chemical like serotonin into the space and that affects another nerve which carries the impulse. And so we have a lot of neurotransmitters, all right? So the primary messenger would be the neurotransmitter like serotonin. So all of our nerves, all of our immune cells, all of these things have a little uh, 
it, it's like a volume button on the side, like a volume on the radio. And that's what that's your, your endocannabinoid receptor. So, it's, uh, so what you're doing with the endocannabinoids is like on a nerve synapse, you're either turning up or turning down the response. So you're, you're, you're affecting the intensity of the release of the, the neurotransmitter like serotonin. But it's doing that throughout the body. So it has this wonderful balancing effect on everything. But it's not going to have the same potency as a drug or a narcotic. That's a good thing because it has this balancing effect and it makes it inherently safe. So you're doing a lot of things with CBD. Um, it is different than marijuana. So we've got CBD that's in hemp and then we've got THC that's in marijuana, right? So you've got two different substances. They act like night and day. Um, so what we're doing is affecting a substance in the body um, called anandamide, and that comes from Sanskrit, and, and, and that it means bliss. All right. So everybody has anandamide in their body. That's what affects the one of the things. There are other neurotransmitters. There are other there, there are other endocannabinoids that affect our system. But anandamide. If you have good levels of anandamide, you have a healthy immune system, good mood. Everything is nice and balanced. All right. So. Um, so if you're stressed, you knock down your anandamide levels, and that kind of disrupts the whole system. With THC, what you're doing is affecting the same receptors that anandamide does, all right? But you're binding to the receptor very tightly. So instead of feeling good like you do with normal levels of anandamide, you feel great. You get excessively, you feel excessively good or you get high. Um, the problem with THC, though, is it suppresses normal anandamide and it affects those receptors in an adverse way so the anandamide doesn't work as well. So that's why THC, marijuana, can be habituating. Um, CBD, however, doesn't have the same effect. It has the effect of affecting other pathways that actually boost your natural levels of anandamide and you increase your anandamide or endocannabinoid receptors. So you get this, so you enhance the balancing effect of your endocannabinoid system. So it can help with pain, it can help with mood, it can help with sleep, it can help your immune system. It has all these wonderful effects. It's not really potent like a drug though, you know. I mean, if you're comparing a CBD to a, to a narcotic, you're not going to get anywhere near the same effect, but you're also not going to get the same habituating tendency and the adverse effects that you have with something that's potent like a drug. So, um, so that's really nice. But, um, so CBD is that, but if you're using the whole extract, you're also getting a whole family of chemicals uh, called terpene, terpenes or terpenoids. And terpenes are the same thing you find in essential oils. In fact, you find a lot of the essential oils that you find in, in other places. You also find them in, uh, in CBD oil because Mother Nature uses a lot of things in different places. You know, if something works well, a lot of different plants use it. 
So you get some antimicrobial properties and some immune-enhancing properties with the terpenes, which are really important. A lot of CBD products don't have terpenes because, or they don't have a good balance of terpenes. And this something is something that I've learned um, in just creating our own products is uh, we're using uh, our products that we use are the vapor distilled, which activates the CBD, but it also brings over all the, the terpenes, which are really, really important to get the full effect of the extract. So CBD is it, it's an herb. It's really good stuff, um, but it's not an exclusive herb. Um, but because of the way CBD works, you uh, you know it, 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 you can pair it with other herbs. In fact, I recommend that people do. There are very very few drugs that it would interfere with because it's not it's not working like a drug is. It's not having the same effect. In fact, um, CBD is found to have. Uh, uh, properties, uh, anti-addictive properties. So it's being used to help people off narcotics, help people off addiction from marijuana, benzodiazepines. So it's a really wonderful substance. Thank you for listening to our three-part marathon with Dr. Bill Rawls, MD. To our listeners, we have a call to action. First, if you would like to learn more about Dr. Rawls, please visit his website at RawlsMD.com. Second, if you enjoyed this Dr. Rawls Marathon, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of the post. Third, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, or Spotify to get the automatic episode updates for our Tick Bootcamp podcast. And finally, please take a minute to leave us an honest review and rating on iTunes or our website. We make it a point to read every single one of the reviews we get. Thank you for listening.